What's up, everyone? Hey, y'all. Welcome, Welcome to, to The, the Ink. Ink, a podcast devoted to uncorking the comics, films, video games, and TV shows that make up all things geekdom. Especially as they both reflect and represent the rich colors of POC-centered and occasionally POC-adjacent narratives. Yes, we're always here for POC and POC-adjacent narratives. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> I am doing really well. Um, it's Juneteenth this week. Yes, it is. Happy Juneteenth. Happy Juneteenth. Happy being black. Yes. Happy being free. <laughs> <laughs> are we? Are we truly free? Um, yeah, no, I'm doing great. I'm, in, I'm enjoying life. It's sunny outside, It's but it's cool outside. Mm-hmm. So plan on donning my mask and getting out. Why do you always say weekend. donning? Is it donning? It's donning. Whatever. <laughs> I hear don and I think of dish soap, you know? That's true. Dish soap, uh, the coming of the dawn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. English. Weird language. Weird language. Um, How about you? How are you doing? I'm good. Now I'm thinking about the etymology of donning, that being the verb to put on something. <laughs> well, come on, Alice. Let's not go down that <laughs> rabbit hole. <laughs> I'm all right. Get... I'm, I'm, I'm all right. I'm allowing myself to uh, fully show up in all of my emotions. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is this psychologist named Susan Kane, and she calls it emotional agility. The ability to allow yourself to fully show up to yourself. All right. So if I uh, if I feel any kind of sadness this week, I've been allowing myself to feel that sadness and to sit with it. Mm -hmm. If I feel joy, to feel that joy, knowing that we are complex human beings. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I am here. Amen. Yes. Amen. So in this episode, uh, we will be talking a little bit about uh, DC and Warner Bros. Answer to Disney's D three conference. Then we're going to discuss one of the ways that Marvel Comics is promoting the visibility of Black people and our lives. Uh, And then we're going to introduce to you the first ever video game that can be prescribed as medicine. Speaking of video games, uh, and for the culture, we're going to chat about our first reactions to the PS5's Spider-Man and Miles Morales video game, and what we hope is going to be a story that fully explores Miles's blackness and superhero-ness. Mm-hmm. And latinus. Afro-Latinx. Well, that's what I meant, his blackness. Because yes. all that's part of his blackness. You're right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so, shall we say who we're cosplaying this week yes <laughs> great great segue uh <laughs> i am cosplaying as ethan bennett this week from the batman series which was a series in the early mid it late like it was in the 2000s somewhere yeah somewhere yeah. between uh 2000 and 2020 back when they right. it was <laughs> it was in there somewhere back when they used to have kids wb because yes. I think it did premiere on Kids WB, but then Cartoon Network got it later. Um, mm-hmm. That kind of thing. But uh, so about Ethan. Ethan Bennett uh, was a Gotham City police detective. He was at the top of his game. Um, if you've watched the Batman series, he is the black bald guy yep. that basically um, is a friend to kind of everyone. He's also Bruce Wayne's best friend in the series. But um, on a mission, the Joker captured him. And knowing he was Bruce Wayne's best friend and kind of tortured him, drove him insane and transformed him into the villain, the Gotham villain that we know as Clayface. So for most of the series, Ethan Bennett was living a double life. He was Ethan Bennett in the day trying to seem like he was normal and not crazy. And then at night or like, you know, the next scene, he would be the weird kind of mud creature that was clay face golem and, and golem. yeah yeah mm-hmm. golem essentially yeah so he he said in the series uh at one point that joker didn't only melt his body but he melted his mind as well so there was this kind of duality going on within him and he wanted to be good he still knew who bruce was he knew who the batman was but at the same time, he had this evil part of him that was that was pulling him to the to the side of evil mm-hmm. eventually though The Batman was able to take down the Joker with Clayface's help. Um, And Clayface was eventually, and Ethan was cured. But he still had to serve time in Arkham because of all the stuff he did 
while as yeah. Blayface. We should do a deep dive. We always come up with like for the culture topics during these moments. Uh, we should do a deep dive into this character because I feel like it could be a interesting lens to look at black criminality and how certain characters are inherently evil or how they struggle with impulses to be evil uh-huh. and what that means along the lines of race, gender, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But also just we should be giving kudos to the Batman series for some interesting character designs. Yes. Oh my gosh. It was absolutely amazing. So many opinion. character designs. I personally love the Joker's character design. Yep. I love Clayface's character design too. Um, also Mr. Freeze absolutely, was really good. Absolutely. Um, the Penguin's umbrella I love. Yes. Also, I still want Catwoman's, you know, bodysuit number. <laughs> I feel like that is goals for me. Every Catwoman's bodysuit besides unfortunately Halle Berry's version there is a time and a place for Halle Berry's bodysuit or lack thereof as far as like body right, <laughs> right. who was it uh, Michelle oh also Michelle Michelle Pfeiffer's because oh heck yeah she, remember she told the like stitches well that but she told who's gonna be the new cat woman what is her name Zoe Kravitz mm-hmm. she told her make sure that you let the designers know to give you a zipper so that when you have to pee you don't have to hold it till the end of the day or you can just run and zip it up and zip it, you know, like that. Because apparently Michelle Pfeiffer didn't have an easy way to come off yes. to get out of it. So it was a hard time for her to use the restroom. I mean, I feel like that should just be stashed in this category of like prohibitive wear for people. Mm-hmm. I'm putting rompers in there. Why? I'm putting bodysuits in there. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Well. Okay. Before we go down another rabbit yes, hole. who are you cosplaying as? Uh, this week I am cosplaying as Anana from The Wicked and the Divine, which is a phenomenal graphic novel about different kinds of gods and their reincarnation in different bodies, you know, every some odd years. And Anana is the genderqueer Sumerian deity of love, fertility, and war. He is also, or they're also gender binary as well, or sorry, non-binary. So I'm super excited for that. Also, this is a time in which we should be standing up and standing with our gender non-conforming, mm-hmm. uh, gender non-binary, and trans family. So Yeah, I feel like Anana uh, is, Inana is the like the god that would be over kind of what's going on right now yeah with love fertility and war absolutely like very very anana times i feel like by day leading protests by night leading a dance hall version of uh chromatica possibly oh i'm about it yes speaking Count of which in. she also or they also kind of look like uh prince Mm-hmm, in this mm-hmm. current iteration, which I'm super excited about. They do that a lot about. with Wicked and Divine because there's the character that looks like Rihanna. Uh, Persephone. Pers- no, I was thinking Beset. The um, the cat guy. Oh, sir. She looks uh, like Rihanna as well. Uh, Bast. That's her, Bast, yes. Yeah, yes. Bast. I, I really need to catch up. I've only read the first volume, which I hate. I really, Just think Bast, series, I really Egyptian cat god. Bast yes. looks like Rihanna. Also, Persephone looks like Rihanna a bit too. And then there's um the... The guy that looks, I think it's Anana's partner. Oh, yes. Uh, Not, is it Bilal? It might be Bilal. I I can't, it's been a minute since I've read the comic book or read the graphic novel, rather. He's very, his features are very reminiscent of um, Kanye West, which. He, I don't want to feed into Kanye's self deity. So, uh, (laughs) let's move on from that. Yes. And get into what's coming down the pipe. All right. Uh, so for me, uh, what's coming down the pipe um, is the Anessi. I think I pronounced that wrong. Anessi International Animation Film Festival. I always think of uh, Amnesty International every time I see that name. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is a festival that is put on every year. It's one of the top international animated film festivals out there. And it is also a competition between cartoon films of various techniques and genres so you have like animated drawings cut out papers uh stop motion with modeling clay cgi animation you name it it's there and every year women in animate the, the women in animation group holds a summit there and this year seeing as we are in this time of COVID 19 this summit is going to be held online for the first time which is, I think, great because, hey, everyone can go, potentially, right? Um, And the theme for this year's summit is reimagining the future, race, solidarity, and the culture of work. 
great, great theme. Um, the discussions are going to focus on the effects of the coronavirus on the animation industry, in particular, the animation industry and its women. Um, and some of the section names are going to are Black Women in Animation, Looking to the Future, Intersectionality and Solidarity, Artists Creating from Home, a series of home studio visits, and Producing in a Rapidly Changing World. All very interesting titles that I think are all very now, very timely. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, I'm super excited for the first two panels in particular and also excited for the last two in that I really hope that they are just as diverse as the Black Women in Animation yes. and Intersectionality and Solidarity conversation. Mm -hmm. um, actually, let me be more specific. I want there to be Black women featured in those <laughs> last two panels because there are... We, are, we always show up in conversations about race, especially yeah. as creators, but yeah. we rarely are asked about our work. Right, right. <laughs> and sometimes we also want to be asked about the work that we love producing. Oh, completely, completely. I, yeah, I'm just hoping that black there, there are black women to show up throughout this whole thing. Oh, absolutely, um, yeah, of course. You know, it would be great to see everyone, but <laughs> center and focus on the black women because I think this, like, it's this year's theme honestly yeah um and me personally like i am interested in all of it but i definitely can't wait to see the artists creating at home yes because me personally whenever i my creative brain turns on and i think about like writing or drawing or something like that i get stuck in the fact that like oh do i have the best setup do i have all the supplies that i could potentially need and as i can only imagine if I was an illustrator or an artist and I'm looking in at these amazing women who have done amazing work and are re renowned for their work and seeing their setups and being like, oh my God, okay, this is what I need or this could be helpful for me or oh my God, I have this already so I might already have all the tools that I need. I just need to fight, you know? Mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really interested to see what that is. Um, and honestly, we all can see it. Uh, like I said, since it's online this year, everyone can join. Usually this festival takes place in France, which is a pretty, pretty penny yeah. for, for a plane ride. <laughs> uh, but it is online this year and the pass is only $17. So it's pretty affordable, I would say. You can definitely join if you are interested in this. The festival is running from June 17th to June 30th, so it's already started, but the bulk of it is still to come. So definitely um, try to make it and try to, to see, uh, you know, get on the schedule and see what you want to enjoy. Um, I'll definitely retweet the link on the Inc. Uh, Twitter, and we'll add the link to the show notes as well so you'll know where to go. Mm -hmm. All right, so... Back in May, um, writer and producer Mark Bernadine, who worked on Castle Rock and Star Trek Picard, created what's called the Plague Nerdologues, which is this charity featuring stars from you know the sci-fi and fantasy genre, all self-taping some of the most famous monologues from films uh, and TV. So, so um, Miranda Priestly's monologue is is in here. I'm assuming it's genre specific. <laughs> That is all genres, <laughs> sir. That transcends, transcends genre. That monologue transcends time and space. Uh, and all of that was to raise money for this charity called the No Kid Hungry, which was a charity designed to bring people together and support children during this time of COVID-19. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, since then, Mark has decided to redirect those funds to support Black Lives Matter yes. uh, to fight what he calls America's first plague, systemic racism. So I'm excited for what's known as the second wave. So the plague nerdologues, uh, the second wave, it debuted June 12th and it features incredible voice talent. Um, Yvette Nicole Brown from yeah. Community. She's Love doing her. it. Love her. Jordan Calloway, who plays Black Lightning, uh, who plays in Black Lightning as Painkiller. Mm -hmm. He's going to be there. Tracy Toms from Fox's 911. It's a decent show, but we know her. We know her as... Joanne. Yes. From Rent. Yes. America's favorite black lesbian. And I was going to say, and every other <laughs> black lesbian yes. on TV. <laughs> She's absolutely amazing. She's also a talented voice actress. She was also great in the, the latter seasons of the later seasons of Cold Case. Just letting you know. I have never seen Cold Case. 
it's a good one. It's Noted. a good one. Noted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also Rahul Kohli, who plays yeah. Robbie and iZombie. I love Rahul. Yes. So super excited to hear all their monologues and what their choices are. And to watch that, you can go to thepladenerdologues.com. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And if you donate to Black Lives Matter, you gain access to the entire library of videos, which will, you know, expand over time as more monologues are added. So I'm excited to experience that. Cool. Well, um, now that you know what we'll be getting into this weekend and upcoming weeks um let's get into this gig which is called the newsreel Mm -hmm. so uh, the first thing i wanted to talk about is dc has their d23 expo every year that's where they talk about the new marvel movies that are going to be released or um even down to the the disney channel original movies that that are going on (laughs) um does anyone still do dcoms not as well (laughs) Not as well. Uh, But now DC has their own United fan experience to not compete, but to join (laughs) that. They're hoping we'll dominate. Let's be honest. (laughs) (laughs) That area that Disney has kind of set aside for itself. So DC Fandome, not to be mistaken with fandom, it's Fandome. DC's Fandome. But bear with me because I will probably say DC fandom several times. They really thought they were clever with this title. They really did. Um, But it's going to be this free virtual fan experience that has been set up by Warner Brothers where fans will hear the news, the new news, the announcements, and they get to hear from some of their favorite creators and cast members from uh, Warner Brothers games, uh, film and television, comics, and all of that good stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, In Warner Brothers press release they stated that and i'll read (laughs) (laughs) to the best of our abilities to the best of our abilities the dc fandom is a place to hear highly anticipated announcements announcements and the latest news see exclusive footage and venture into theme worlds designed to entertain everyone from movie and tv super fans to gamers and readers to families and kids with special presentations to engage fans in every time zone across the globe, you'll have the opportunity to have an experience that's all your own. Inside this virtual world, fans will also get access to localized events, featuring the faces and voices from countries around the world in their local language. No matter where you live, your age, or your level of fandom, there is something for you. Mm-hmm. Very sweet. Nice summary of what's going to be going Cute. on here. Someone wrote good copy. Yeah, good, good copy. Good, good copy. <laughs> um, the digital event is said to be built in a way that gives everyone new ways to personalize their journey in fandom the way that they want to do it in the DC universe. Um, it's supposed to be without lines. It's supposed to be without tickets. And it's supposed to be without boundaries. So very, well, very theme park-like, you know? Very uh, disney <laughs> theme park like if yes. you ask me yes um they also released this image with this announcement that shows this interconnected island like situation yeah it looks kind of like a on. hub and spoke mm-hmm. that kind mm-hmm. of structure so all together it's six islands um five smaller ones connected to a central node uh and the epicenter is what they're calling the Hall of Heroes. And this is where... Heroes like Hercules. (laughs) Heroes like Hercules. This is where (laughs) most of the stuff will be going on. The main things. This is like the main stage if you were at Comic-Con. Then the small hubs are, one, is DC Watch First, which is where you can go to watch smaller panels and exclusive screenings of upcoming shows or maybe past shows. Like, they might do uh, Batman... The, 90, the animated series the, in, that, that came out in the 90s, they might do small screenings of that. Or, that you know, they might have upcoming shows. Maybe they'll show Swamp Thing because Probably. it was canceled from a lot of networks. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then the next one is DCU-verse, where you'll see a lot of user-generated content and art. So it's like cosplayers, fan art, all that kind of stuff this is where you would go to see that and potentially hopefully purchase as well mm-hmm. it would be great if they made a marketplace for people to sell their fan art um or whatever their fan creations yeah 
the hopefully. next hopefully and hopefully dc doesn't try to take a cut for like processing fees or whatnot right just put a link to etsy <laughs> exactly just link out hyperlink yeah, it just hyperlink it um the next one is dc kids verse and this is the family friendly area this is where they will have a lot of um, <laughs> events and activations for the kids for the children so when you want to go to margaritaville <laughs> to get ready for tower of terror i mean um that's been redesigned by the joker way. of terror we'll, we'll, yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah this is where you can drop the chi- the, <laughs> the kids off the children the children off. <laughs> Uh, the next one is the DC Insiderverse, where you get to go behind the scenes and see some of the masters at work. So this is the um, the illustrators for the comics. This is the artists for the animations. Uh, this is the uh, costume designers. This is the writers. This is the directors. These are, and then some of the also the um, executives, executives definitely are going to be DC there. DC are going to be there, talking to people and telling them about what they do, selling their trash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> And the last one, that was too- <laughs> and I felt that one. That was <laughs> a little visceral. A I, little I, visceral. Yeah, sorry. I have a, a complicated history with DC uh, movies. DC animated movies show up and show out. Oh, always. But DC movies and other DC property mm-hmm. still mm-hmm. leaves much to be desired. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, of course. Oh. My humble opinion. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's funny when I feel like the uh, gossip and the anticipation for the Snyder Cut made more money than the actual Justice League movie. But or, who? or was it Batman? What? Doesn't matter. Oh no, it's um. I think it is Justice League. Yeah, it's Justice either that League. or Batman versus Superman. Yeah, right. either way, two movies that I really didn't enjoy. To be honest with you, who did? So who did? But uh, the last one is the fun verse, where this is the place where you can go and you can um, enter for giveaways, or you can go into the comic book reader to read probably some some free comics that they're making free for the event. <laughs> Um, and, and just gather <laughs> gather cool things. They ain't making shit free, Michael. <laughs> gather cool things like maybe backgrounds for your phone and your computer, stuff like that. <laughs> Say it with me. Microtransactions. <laughs> right, probably. Discounts. <laughs> uh, but anyways, if you if this sounds like it's something that you'd be interested in, or you've already heard of it because everyone's been talking about it apparently (laughs) um you can definitely go to Mm dcfandome.com um you can check out the schedule you can figure out find out more about it you can plan your way through the park um map it out so that you uh have enough time to visit all that you want to do because it takes place on august 22nd and only August 22nd. <laughs> well, I have some thoughts about that. Just, or just general thoughts. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, I'm definitely excited for, obviously, the watch verse, being able to see the panels, which I was most worried about as several cons were canceled. Um, also, these exclusive screenings. So, interested to see what they kind of mm-hmm. put out for those. You mm-hmm. were talking about Swamp Thing and whatever else they have planned. Super excited for Uverse because cosplayers have really adapted to this time at home. Yes. So really interested to see what they come up, come up with with their creativity, having boundaries around it. Speaking mm-hmm. of boundaries, mm-hmm. and then also the insiderverse. I feel like now as fans, we are becoming even more interested in how the sausage is made. So being able to spend some time with the masters and look at some of their work and look at some of the processes, and then hopefully get some insights into how fans can also become creators by looking at and getting an overview of how these processes work. Also, you can be like, oh, I can do this too. Why are you not hiring me? Oh, and then really say, thank you so much for your BLM tweet. Yeah. Now open your actual purse. Right. AKA right. full-time salary. Exactly. <laughs> um, but while I'm excited, I am also real concerned about the community community building elements of this. So it's great that they can do this, you know, one-to-many broadcasting. But what makes a lot of these experiences that much more fun is the ability to meet other fans. Right. So I'm concerned about how they're going to create that that kind of wraparound community building aspect of this. And this also makes me think of conversations about the corporatization of fandom Mm -hmm. and how companies are making a lot of money off of fan experiences that historically have been, you know, fan generated um, or fan organized. So I'm 
really interested to see what they do with this experience and how it, how it will continue to push the conversation and unfortunately expectations around high quality experiences mm-hmm. that might not be in everybody's price point. Completely. And these and those are all questions and concerns that I think every fan and every, I guess, uh, what, am I, what, what word am I looking for? Like uh, every fandom, I guess. <laughs> every fandom. <laughs> is questioning right now. Like, you know, since everything is virtual and we're trying to run these conferences and we're trying to run these meetups and we're trying to run these festivals virtually, how do we deal with fan engagement? Yep. And yep. because a huge part, like you said, a huge part of like cons is going out and meeting and seeing other people that are interested in what you were in, you know, building new family. How do you do that virtually as successfully? Also, like, how do you choose the right moderators? Because <laughs> people be putting things in chats that just don't make any sense. While there and are do not belong. Absolutely. So. <laughs> and, and while there are parallels between in-person and IRL moderation and online moderation, they are also two distinctive beasts. Yes. As someone that does both, when I tell you the latter, that being online moderation, is harder. It's yeah. also harder to kind of encourage engagement because you can say, you know, comment in the chat below if you like what you're seeing. We'll bring in some questions from the chat. But sometimes folks just kind of want to sit back and watch, and then you kind of feel weird because you're like, am I not a good host? Am I not a good moderator? Mm-hmm. Am I not putting out good content? I'm going to start to ramble on this because I just had a recent experience <laughs> with that. But all great points you're raising yeah, right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, we will, um, as as my parents like to say, mokey on <laughs> down this list. Lord, country talk. Yes. Um, so we all know that the entertainment industry is really trying and looking to show solidarity with the Black Lives Movement and that they're trying to make the right steps for change and for the betterment of equality Um, Not only in the industry, but also in industry spaces. That's important. Mm -hmm. Now, the true change in that latter part, I don't know if we're there yet. (laughs) Um, That is to come, to see, to be determined. Mm -hmm. Uh, But many companies are promoting heavier visibility of products that center and focus around Black people and Black lives. And, of course, Marvel entertainment and marvel comics falls right into this category as well despite uh their ceo being a trump supporter yes despite despite that yeah (laughs) yeah get her out of here (laughs) yes um so with the intention of uh drawing more attention to black creators and storytellers and black lives marvel comics has responded by making a number of their stories featuring black heroes and black creators free on their digital comic series um service sorry uh, marvel unlimited and this is not just four or five comics either it is a pretty thick list uh, especially when it comes to the fact that they are offering them for free and not just like at a discounted like you'll get this for a dollar or worse you can read the first issue and then the rest issues or the rest of the issues in the list cost like four dollars for access right or they'll the volumes there but you get the first chapter for free and you pay for the rest of the yeah i'm not, telling not, not you like that a future episode on microtransactions <laughs> look i've been asking for it for years <laughs> it'll take uh some, years some curating but mm-hmm. i'm excited so mm-hmm. look out for that episode also don't hold us accountable to what i'm saying right now <laughs> just be grateful when you get it right right <laughs> uh but this list consists of about 38 titles and it it kind of runs the gambit of these titles for some you get full volumes for some you do get single issues um i do you know the the idea with offering free content usually is so that viewers and consumers will enjoy it and then open themselves up to looking at the rest of it which has a pay price you know a pay scale but um there there is a lot of good content on this list there are classic series so you have a lot of things that are black panther you have damage control um you have some luke cage slash power man on there yeah um and then they have some of the newer stuff like killmonger and um riri williams ironheart 
She's mm-hmm. on there as well. So it is a very good list. I would definitely su- suggest going and checking it out. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, these are not permanent freebies. <laughs> um, the deal only... Black Lives Matter until the end of June. <laughs> right. The deal only lasts until the end of June. But hopefully this does inspire enough of a heightened influx of readers uh, because we all know how the comics comic book industry works the more readers you have the more people that buy your books the more likely it is that they won't get canceled that series and that run won't get canceled and unfortunately it's only of single issues they don't really count um volumes volumes Mm -hmm. unfortunately Mm -hmm. which is actually kind of dumb because most people now are waiting to buy entire volumes and not really buying single issues anymore but Mm -hmm. that's a Mm -hmm. whole other conversation that's a whole other conversation um but yeah, so hopefully enough readers and new readers will come in and buy this. So maybe they might bring these characters back for their own new solo adventures. Or maybe they'll be more visible in whatever group or comic that they are already in right now. Mm-hmm. Now, I know it's a big list. <laughs> uh, 38 titles. That's a lot to read. Mm-hmm. A lot of pictures to intake. But um, if you want the suggestions of what I've enjoyed, um, I would definitely suggest Marvel Rising Heroes of the Roundtable. That's a good one. Go check that out. There's also Shuri Volume 1, The Search for Black Panther. And honestly, you can check out this whole run. It's fantastic. It's also written by Nettie Okorafor, mm-hmm. who's an amazing author and writer. Yes, 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 yes. There's Ironheart Volume 1, Those with Courage. So this is um, Riri Williams out into her own um, solo comic run. I think this is the one that was either written by Eve mm-hmm. Ewing yes. or... Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. It was written by Eve Ewing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's um, Black Panther Book 6, The Intergalactic Empire of Wakanda Part 1. Mm-hmm. And this is another one where, honestly, you just need to check out the whole run. Um, the whole 2008 run. It is yes. an amazing uh, story of where Wakanda takes to the skies. <laughs> so, I, I don't want to spoil it for you, but I will say that really this is a phenomenal take on exploring Black imperialism. Mm-hmm. So how Wakanda and all of its blackness also adopts the like logic and goals of imperialism and building a whole galactic empire and what that means for blackness mm-hmm. um for fu- fu- one just phenomenal subject matter but also the artistry behind it yes the yeah. coloring the imagery it is absolutely beautiful but that really speaks to this entire list like i'm super excited to on one hand get to know and reconnect with the history of black comics and Mm -hmm. uh black creators as well as get to explore some of our current titles that i don't often get a chance to explore because i do not buy single issues (laughs) sorry (laughs) between like weekly mta and this comic book sis gotta choose (laughs) and comic book wednesdays is a little off this year because of the quarantine yes um and sheltering in place so so yeah but i'm happy to give it my support Mm -hmm. Uh, i will also say that hopefully this is a step to them not just opening uh their doors marvel entertainment to their creations but also open your actual purse and start paying black creators and creators of color a lot more money than you currently do Mm -hmm. for sure so hopefully that will be the next step in their actual solidarity work with the movement for black lives yes um so once again these are already out there for free now go ahead and check them out go ahead and check the list out we'll add the link um into our show notes uh for easy access Mm -hmm. but yeah please enjoy and read and tell your sisters to read and your brothers to read and your children to just tell everybody to to read read. everybody should be reading (laughs) uh now last thing for for the culture for the first time ever and I thought I would never For Newsreel? Sorry, Newsreel. <laughs> Last thing for Newsreel. <laughs> for the first time ever, and I thought I would never say this. Um, a video game can be prescribed as medicine in the U.S. Oh, joy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the U.S. FDA, uh, for those of you that are uncultured, that is the Food and Drug <laughs> Administration. Wow. <laughs> The classism jumped out. The elitism jumped out. (laughs) Sorry about that. But um, yes, the (laughs) FDA announced that Endeavor RX by Akil Interactive, um, it can legally be marketed in America now as a medicine. So after st- this happened after studies showed that the iOS product, that's right, no Android here, not yet, but I'm sure they are working on it. Sure. Um, 
You said sure is like. Sorry, that's just my natural tone of voice. People have like bitch face. I have sarcastic voice. <laughs> I know this well. <laughs> I know this well. But yeah, this happened after the um, for, after studies on the iOS product um, were proven to be uh, proved that it was beneficial uh, for patients that were impaired with ADHD. Mm-hmm. Now, this isn't something that I can use. Um, and gamers out there don't get too excited because this game can only be prescribed to children between the ages of 8 and 12. Yes. Those four years. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, not for us, not for us. But just because you have the emotional maturity of an 8-year-old does not mean that you are, <laughs> this game is meant for you. Speak on it. <laughs> Speak on it. But uh, if you wanted to know what you're missing out on, uh, not being able to to play this game. In the game, you basically have an avatar that travels on this raft down various rivers in various like really cool, fun, fantastic, imaginative locations. Mm-hmm. So there's volcano planets and ice planets and underwater and um, fantastic like lush forests that you would probably see in like Lord of the Rings or Robinson Crusoe. Mm-hmm. Um, and your goal is to collect these targets while dodging obstacles, which usually, if it's not the the, the land around you, it's these weird alien-looking fish that jump out and try to attack you. Mm. Um, and then there's also the ability for you to mix, mix and match your costumes, which you unlock as you go. So, you know, throw some glitz and glam onto it. Maybe you want a, a, a crab head and a black knight body or vice versa. There's a bunch of ways that <clears throat> the, the kids who are playing this can kind of like throw some individuality and... Ex, you know express what they want to look like in it so that that that's cool mm-hmm. um for right now the game is only available on prescription that makes sense mm-hmm. 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 you can't just go out there and download it from the ios store um the app store um and if you were thinking like oh this sounds really interesting or oh this is something i want to look into for my kid uh it, there is a waiting list as of now it's still new um and apparently people are jumping at the bit <laughs> so yeah there, there there is a waiting list now i also must say that this device is intended to use as part of a therapeutic program <laughs> i will repeat as part of a therapeutic program <sighs> not alone Yes, not not, not self-directed. Yes, we're not yes. advocating for self uh, medic- self-medicating. No, it was proven that it helps with ADHD when it's paired with things like a um, clinician-directed therapy, um, or you know, other medication that might be used. Maybe an educational program that mm-hmm. might be used for the child. But though, like things like that, all need to be paired with this in order for there to be some positive effects going on Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and in case you want to know how this was tested you know just out of the blue (laughs) theories theories (laughs) um in case you work for the uh, institutional review board (laughs) right in case you're like a video game doing good for my child Hmm, yes that doesn't seem right um, so the FDA reviewed this data from multiple studies in more than 600 children. And these studies uh, evaluated things like whether participants demonstrated improvements in their attention function, mm-hmm. um, whether they could sit in the same place for long. <laughs> um, also things like academic performance was measured when they were using this game and other assessment tools along with that Mm -hmm. to prove that it was actually, it did have positive effects. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm super excited for this. For those of you that do not know, uh, black kids unfortunately are diagnosed at two thirds, the rate of white children when it comes to ADHD, likely because we are misdiagnosed as being bad. (laughs) Yeah. Also just like, also mental health in the, black community is still a very it's still a struggle in a lot of places and, and not only that but also the way that you know educators who would likely see the immediate effects or the immediate symptoms of a child having adhd because uh certain teachers might view that child as just being bad rather than something different happening true but it still takes the parents to be like okay both we're and. gonna go see a specialist yeah yeah mm-hmm. both and yeah, so both and. 
all that to say that as this issue becomes more prominent and talked about in the conversation around addressing the mental health of black children in particular, they also have this as a tool in their arsenal to lead healthy and lovely childhoods. Yes, yes. And your kids are already spending all their time on the phone anyways. <laughs> that actually worries me sometimes. <laughs> no one plays outside anymore. Got this big yard for nothing. Well, it depends. Some kids do both. It's uh, it also... You know, outside nowadays is just... <laughs> it's just dangerous. It's just dangerous, though. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> Sometimes you want to keep your child right there in front of the screen, yeah, but also you want to curate the content your child sees. We don't have to worry about that. Nope. Thank God. Why? Well, for right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> you will be a father. I will relax. children are our future. And your future in particular. Mm-hmm. But that is it for the newsreel this week. Yes, yes. (laughs) Let's get into For the Culture. All right. So now for For the Culture. So by now, you all know that PS5 was announced last week and the folks over at sony are really trying to deliver honestly i am still just like reverberating like <laughs> vibrating like i really am <sighs> so good everything from the gorgeous design of the console to the slate of video games that will accompany its release sony is really trying to deliver on being the future of gaming you know it might be even time for me to hop back in the gamer's chair after vacating it for musical theater and politics so long ago your words not mine <laughs> Mm-hmm. Why don't you ever support me? Can I call myself a gamer? I am supporting you. Will it happen? We'll see. Well, you know, with this game, it might. Uh, being that this is a podcast of and for people of color, especially black folks, we could not talk about Spider-Man Miles Morales. Yes. So for For the Culture, we're going to hop into just that. Our first thoughts, hopes, and aspirations Hopefully the game really lets Miles show up as himself and all of his blackness and superhero-ness. And we're going to talk about what that means for the PS5's headliner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's get into it. So one of the biggest takeaways, honestly, for the entire uh, press announcement was that diversity actually does matter. <laughs> diversity in terms of the stories that are being told um also diversity and gameplay they released a ton of games that you know can meet everyone's fancy um everything from first person shooters to one of my personal faves platformers um and anything in between yeah i was really happy um because i when i was watching it live i did notice that um most of the games that were announced had such a diverse cast or especially like diverse main characters yes you didn't have that many games with like where the main protagonist was a cis um straight white male yes you know Mm -hmm. which which was great i i I love that and especially the headliners yes the um the main video games that, that we're looking at for the ps5 they're all very diverse yeah it was a lot more diversity in main characters it wasn't just um Shoot 'em ups with Kyle from Illinois or mm-hmm. fictional land here. Mm-hmm. And obviously, one of the biggest focal points of that was Miles Morales, which yep. definitely makes sense. I mean, he is an Afro Latinx superhero whose story has really resonated since the first time it appeared back in 2013, I think, mm-hmm. um, and resonates even more so as the movement for all Black lives has reached this fever pitch right now. And the excitement, um, is really kind of around the ability to play as this character who looks like many of us that this industry has considered marginal to the core demographic, that being cisgender white men, you know, despite evidence to the contrary that we actually play a shit ton of games. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that, you know, is contrary to what they believe is a core demographic. Also, the ability to... Uh, explore his unique story there was his gaming journalist uh, named ld nolan who talked about it as everyone being able to see new york through his eyes and his experience that being miles and i feel like that statement kind of encapsulates what is one of the most exciting pieces of getting to play as miles so what were some of your thoughts when you saw this trailer 
Um, I was totally shook. I did not, I don't think anyone expected this. Um, the first Spider-Man game came out a couple years ago and it was amazing. It was, it's probably the best superhero game to date. Um, and uh, no, I don't think any, I think people were hoping that we would get hints to maybe a sequel or see something, but I don't think anyone expected it to be a Miles Morales story. Yeah, yeah. So that was just amazing. He does appear in the first game and he does play a pretty, you know, good role. Um, he's a secondary character, but it's still a pretty large role. Um, but yeah, I don't, I didn't think anyone expected for him to so soon break out into its own to where we're, we're actually swinging around New York and playing as him and using his powers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was, that, that was definitely the highlight of it for me. Also, I think it was maybe like in a two week, three week span, something like that. We found out that they had started production on Spider-Verse 2. Mm-hmm set to to come out in 2022 and then we got this so it's just been like a miles morales train and (laughs) and i'm loving it moving at hopefully like a snow piercer's pace where we get lots and lots and lots of action like definitely this should be an era of miles morales and speaking of snow we get new york in the winter which was beautifully done which was very well done and i'm hoping when the game actually comes out the ps5 graphics show up as well as they did for that trailer uh because it was beautiful and it's something that you don't see that often you you see new york in the summertime you see new york in the springtime in video games but you never see almost anywhere unless it's like the arctic tundra or something you never see a city in the winter yeah it was great seeing the snow on the ground and the light refracting as it would naturally and it was yeah it was beautiful absolutely i mean that also speaks to one of the reasons why i was initially excited by the trailer, which was one, they have this technology now that allows them to render very beautifully wintertime in New York and also make black people look not golem like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. How many times have we looked at that same um Grand Theft Auto five character oh, like gosh. body type be the stand in for black and brown people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I know technology has come a long yes long way melanin looked phenomenal hairline looked lovely it kind of made me better than mine i was gonna say (laughs) made me a little envious right now because we are still waiting on phase two for these haircuts Mm -hmm. um so i was excited about that and then also the possibility for a kind of nuanced story and my biggest thing was i really saw the opportunity for miles to not just be a stand-in for peter parker So have Miles go through all of the familiar Peter Parker beats. Yeah. And also I saw the opportunity not just to just, you know, change the environment, but a story really informed by and informed of his lived experience. And it's going to be interesting seeing how I didn't really connect it till now, but Peter and Miles both have this parallel where their father figure died. Yeah. Um, At least Miles in this game, his father figure died, Jefferson Davis. So, um... I want to know, I want to know, like, how he's going to potentially look up to Peter and how the fact his blackness will come into kind of, like, it's going to be a difficult situation with that um, because Peter's from a different background completely as Miles. Yeah. Um, And also I want to see more of Miles' family because he still has his mother. They're now in Harlem instead of Brooklyn, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting choice, white people. Interesting, Interesting choice, choice, white people. Right. <laughs> uh, this is because they did not want to do all the work of... Uh, rendering Brooklyn rendering and not Brooklyn Manhattan. and Manhattan. <laughs> no, Manhattan and Brooklyn. Oh, that's true. Because yeah. if you do both of those, you best better believe you better do Queens. Okay? That's all I want to say. I mean... That's all I got to say. All of the five boroughs. Maybe not Staten Island, but... <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. All of the boroughs. Yes. Uh, yeah. So after the game was announced, the biggest thing was, um, what kind of game is this going to be? <laughs> AKA, are we celebrating too early? So is this an expansion pack, standalone, something in between? And why is that important? Uh, so this is actually something that I, that when I saw the trailer, I was like, I didn't even think about. 
honestly. I guess I was just so excited. We were getting a game for Miles Morales. Oh, I think that was everyone. Everyone was super hyped. And then when the hype kind of yeah, started it, to trail off. Literally, I think it was literally the day after the event. Uh, people were like, oh, there were rumors going around that this was actually a DLC or an expansion versus a full game versus its own title, um, to which they've been laid to rest. But I, I just want to know, is this going to be like a maybe you those of some of you might be familiar with the infamous series and how um on the ps4 there was infamous three basically um called i think it was called infamous second son yeah Um, it was Mm -hmm. but they had a game called infamous first light that was kind of a uh um snack a snack yeah <laughs> a shorter in between two meals yeah a shorter <laughs> adventure it, it had its own storyline its own narrative and it was a, a game in itself but it was so much shorter so much of a smaller scale than the original game and i hope that's not what happens here um ign kind of called them expandalones instead of standalone games because uh that's funny that's this funny. happened in the uncharted series as well where you have new main characters you have a new story but it is not it's a, it's not like an essential story it's um just kind of i guess a lore builder it's giving more yeah it's giving more um information uh to the background of what's going on in this world yeah so and i know that we will have a second uh, Peter Parker series coming along as well so I hope that it's like oh the first Spider-Man was a game then Miles Morales is his own full game and then maybe the sequel to Spider-Man will be a story with both of them mm-hmm. um, working together where you can play as either or or maybe where you have missions where you play as one or the other I don't know but that would be interesting I mean yeah. they have a whole storyline the um, Super Spider-Man that happened um i want to say it might have been in oh where the spider-man from the different places came. yeah the whole mm-hmm. like multiverse because mysterio uh well spider-man dropped through a rift in time created by mysterio and mm-hmm. it ended up in miles morales's universe that... which is spider-man into the spider-verse right kind of right that would actually be pretty cool because in the original game you could already unlock the majority of those costumes to change into so that would just give life to the costumes True. and their characters also i just want to see how Miles Morales Spider-Man differs how they make it different from Peter Parker Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. He is a different character. He has different aims. Um, he's new. He's green to this. He has different powers. I want to see that not only in the narrative that they tell and the words that they speak, but through the fingers and the play style as well. Sure. And I think that's why it matters if, um, that this is not an expansion pack or merely a DLC, but actually something that can stand on its own legs. And for me, I think that it's important to have room and space for nuanced storytelling. That's why I was interested in whether or not it was going to be DLC or like an expand expand alone. That is a funny name. Um, an expand alone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because really, I want to see Miles and also other characters contend with being a black superhero in our current um, social and political landscape. What does it mean to wrestle with being both black and also part of the larger justice system? Mm-hmm. And that also means wrestling with their relationship between their blackness, superhero-ness, and the police. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, speaking of which, and reading more about this game, I came across this very interesting article. It's called PS5 Spider-Man Miles Morales needs to address the first game's cop problem, written by Samantha Puck, who's an amazing cultural critic and SAS. Uh, their work focuses on LGBTQ representation and that representation of pop culture. Um, she is a comics and gaming editor at uh, CBR, as well as the co-creator and editor-in-chief at Fat Venture Magazine. The crux of this article is that this game needs to unequivocally depart from its predecessor's copacandistic story elements. So the fact that this story had various elements of it that uncritically presented the narrative that cops are truly this force 
for good justice and protection. And um, she talks about everything from the general handing over of criminals and villains to the police to a very specific mission of fixing the broken surveillance system or towers that watch over the city, which happens in real life. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was basically the first mission in the game pretty much. And it was kind of a tutorial section if i remember correctly it's been a while since i've played this game y'all <laughs> but if i remember correctly because you're, you're trying to it's teaching you how to swing and stuff like that because you have to go to each of these towers in the mission to turn them on so there's surveillance there um and now that i think about it if i remember correctly the, the towers that you turn on in the mission are on the lower side of manhattan so, so it's like around chinatown it's around um uh, the financial district and Greenwich Village and then later on it moves into a side mission where you do the rest of Manhattan mm -hmm. well speaking of which as someone that has played the first game what do you think about these story elements and Puck's characterization of them especially within the context of protests against police brutality mm -hmm. and calls to defund the police yeah um, does the game give a truthful depiction of the nypd mm -hmm. no it doesn't uh, it's definitely a comic book what maybe people think the nypd might do um because well one we barely see the nypd in the first game you work directly with a, um, a detective of the pen nypd mm -hmm. um what is her name Yuko, I think. Ooh, I could be wrong, but yeah, Yuri. Yuri. Yuri Watanabe. Yuri Watanabe. Thank you so much. Um, so you work directly with her for the majority of the storyline, um, and then you also have Jefferson Davis, Miles' father, who um, is also in the story. And no, no, not really a spoiler alert. He dies trying to protect um, people when the main villain group of the story attacks um, a. a a, a talk or a fest or a group of people um but that's pretty much all you see and then you see like what you said you see peter parker handing villains over to cops uh but other than that you they're not in the story at all mm -hmm. um and these towers that you use are more to your benefit in the story just yeah, because yeah. they kind of help you display your map and everything um but yeah other than that, I don't think they did a great job. <laughs> but also, like, I don't know who's working on the game. If they're from New York, if no, I doubt that they're from New York. They really know what goes on in New York. And as for, like, the future Miles Morales game, I would hope that things change, especially after what's been brought to light recently. I agree. Yeah, completely. But at the same time, I don't know how far they into how far they are into the creation of this game yeah um and if the police do not play a large role in the narrative that they're building out um i don't necessarily know if that's a false representation of the nypd and police but i don't think it would be a full representation of what miles could be facing as he's trying to be a superhero in new york Ooh, say say more about that i, I feel like i yeah, say more about that. Well, I mean, if you don't see the police at all, it's unless you're just handling over villains. I mean, he has a hood on. So yeah, you yeah. don't see him, who the hero is under the hood. Yeah, yeah. So he's just handing over villains to the police. Great. We've been doing that in video games and... For, yeah. yeah for yeah. forever. Um, and as the police are, for have been in this country for the longest, the law enforcement... Um, group you know mm -hmm. that's what you would expect to do but are we gonna see how in harlem he deals with how the police and him over have a relationship over policing in harlem yeah um, the fact that he's just walking around being black <laughs> you know are yeah. we gonna see that um I mean, it definitely brings a new element of what does it mean to wear a mask and why it's necessary for him to wear a mask mm -hmm. and why it's also necessary for other black superheroes to wear a mask. Also, and for those that choose not to wear a mask, like Luke Cage. Right. But And also the fact that he's working with Peter Parker. So what does a white Spider-Man have to say about his relationship with law enforcement? Yeah. Because I'm sure 
we all know as like in the real world he would have some he would feel some type of way about law enforcement oh of just course. because yeah. of what's happened in this country um but the fact that he has to work with them every day while crime fighting under this hood is he gonna have anything to say to peter about that is peter gonna have anything to say to him about that yeah that kind of thing i mean the only other thing that i can add to what you have so eloquently put out there is that you know there's definitely precedent for doing this kind of critical work that you were kind of speaking to in the latter part of your thoughts i mean uh saladin ahmed who's the current writer of miles morales doing a great and, job and, and there's in his solo series uh ahmed took over for michael bendis in 2018 he has been writing some phenomenally phenomenally critical work mm-hmm. about Miles Morales. I mean, everything from Miles uncovering a network of Confederate zombies posing as educators <laughs> with the mission of punishing students of color and, you know, feeding them into the school-to-prison pipeline and the way that these Confederate zombies glorified the prison system as the evolution of the plantation mm-hmm. <laughs> um, to Miles confronting the hard reality of folks that are undocumented in this country and Miles fighting a villain named the snatcher who has been kidnapping children of undocumented families to uh punish the parents mm-hmm. uh there's even like a lighthearted moment as well so it's not all like you know heavy and and, and didactic so miles and issue four um has his whole like ferris bueller inspired day in the life kind of moment where he's skipping school and like the principal goes after him saying that miles has a secret and the secret <laughs> is that he's been skipping school. So, like, <laughs> it speaks to the important work that Ahmed is doing around decentering the tradition of white writers, creating flat stories that don't deal with things like their relationship to law and order or their relationship relationship to institutions of justice. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I, I like that a lot. There um, uh, is this phenomenal article written by a comic scholar, uh, Vincent Haddad, about the decolonization of Miles Morales that talks in depth about these things. So I'll make sure to uh, put a link in the show notes to this amazing, incredible article. If I could ask for just one thing from Saladin, it would be um, give us the by Miles Morales that I know that you want to give us. I was like, what? Because, Well, well, all I have to say is he has a poster of Moonlight in his bedroom. Yes. Yes. He can also be doing important solidarity work by showing appreciation for that film. Of course. <laughs> or he could be bi. Not. <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. All I got to say is if you do that work, then we need to be doing the incredible work and hard work of creating stories informed by his sexuality because that would be nuanced and complex and layered and I'm here for all of it. Oh yeah, for sure. That's what I'm asking for. Yes, 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 yes. Completely, completely. So uh, at the timing of this recording, uh, yesterday, June 18th, we got some news about what the actual story might be from Brian Horton, who is the creative director at Insomniac Games. Insomniac Games, woo, woo, woo. And so what he had to say is that one- what was that? No idea. I'm sorry. That's between you and your God. Uh, <laughs> Brian gave us two little nuggets. One, that that there's going to be a war between an energy corporation and a high-tech criminal army that has broken out, and Miles' new home in Harlem is the center of that battle. And then also we're going to experience a full story arc with Miles, very similar to Uncharted, The Lost Legacy. Right. In terms of overall scope. So, so a... Expand alone. Yes. Basically. <laughs> I like that makes sense. I'm more intrigued by this war between the energy corporation and the high tech criminal army. But I mean, if you've seen the trailer, which yes. if you haven't, go watch it because it's actually a really, really good trailer. Um, whether you're a video game fan or not, the army looks dope. And I'm assuming it's the army. Yeah. Um, because they have this like evolutionary tech that um was is what um what is that movie we just watched on disney plus oh artemis fowl yeah which is what artemis fowl could have been they have a better version of that tech the tech artemis fowl was fine the tech was not the problem it's glowing purple and there's this like weird energy around it um that might like it's and the way miles deals with them also is just like chef's kiss like it's great it's, yes. it's it gets you very 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 excited 
there was a reason why they chose to make Harlem the epicenter of this. Oh, of course. And why they chose to move Miles out of Brooklyn to Harlem. So I want them to explore that and to unpack that and investigate that. Why do they need to investigate it? We know. Oh, no, I know. Oh, I know we know. Oh. I know we know. Okay. But I want to see that the story knows. And I want to see them explore that in the story. Mm-hmm. Because this could be everything from the fact that the criminal army thought that they would not get... Um, checked up on because they're in the uh, gentrified parts of Harlem now. Uh, It could be everything from them trying to find recruits and then they could find black and brown recruits in Harlem for Mm -hmm. this and what that means for how the real life tends to, and I will say this, prey upon impoverished black and brown communities for soldiers for the army. We see that in high schools. Yeah. 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 Um, And to why this energy corporation might be based in Harlem or whatever that means. Either way, I want to see them critically deal with why Harlem had to be and is the epicenter for this battle. Mm -hmm. And also, either way, we're hoping this game just truly delivers (laughs) on the message at the end of his trailer, which is let Miles be himself. Yep. His whole self. Yep. And that's it for For the Culture. All right. I love that. That was great. Yes. (laughs) All right. On to our last segment. Thank you for being a friend. Thank you for being a friend. So this week's thank you for being a friend goes out to Naquan, who is a New York City-based cosplayer who was born and raised in Brooklyn. And if you've attended any kind of protest in NYC, you may have come across a real-life Miles Morales. So Naquan is a cosplayer who's been dressing up as Miles Morales and going out to various protests. And he has garnered a lot of attention for it. He wrote about that in a Newsweek article in which he talks about the reactions of people seeing Spider-Man at the protests. I'm going to you know, read his words here. Um, a lot of people have been happy to see Spider-Man at the protest. It's like a breath of fresh air to them. Quite a few adults have reached out to me and told me that uh, Spider-Man at the protests made them emotional. People have also told me that when their children saw Spider-Man at the protest, they said he's real. And the parents told them that Spider-Man was standing up for a very important cause. Mm -hmm. Furthermore, it's definitely a boost of morale for the crowd and everyone who's there. Yep. So being able to see one as a kid, like, mom, hold on. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like Spider-Man is here. Spider-Man is here for this important cause. And it really surfaces that this is something of critical importance that even Spider-Man would show up Mm -hmm. to fight back. He's also carrying a Black Trans Live, a Black Trans Lives Matter sign. So thank you. Yes, collapse. <laughs> yes, and he said in the Newsweek article that it is important to be unequivocal in that you can't say you're for the Black Lives Matter movement but be homophobic and transphobic. Say it again for the whole steps in the back. <laughs> like there is no yes. way that you can be for Black Lives and not all Black Lives. Yes. Black trans folk, Black queer folk, Black gender non-conforming folk, Black disabled folk. <laughs> All Black Lives Matter. And until all of us are free, none of us are free. Amen. Okay. Think we're done, dear. Well, uh, once again, thanks for listening, y'all. We hope you enjoyed the news, the conversation, and the rough edits. Please rate and review generously, of course. And remember to follow us on Twitter at This Is The Ink, all lowercase, and on our Instagram at This underscore is underscore the underscore ink, also all lowercase. Yes. So... You know this by now. Share with your friends, your family, everybody. Share with everybody. (laughs) See you next time. Bye, y'all.